You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Age of Radio. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Because it's sports talk with Cooper and Big Man. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, ladies and gentlemen, time once again for Sports Talk with Cooper and Big Man. This is Big Man. Joining me, as always, is my brother Cooper. Cooper, how you doing, brother? I think I'm running low on fumes, dude. Yeah, it's been quite a busy day for you today. Yeah, I'm pretty tired. I'm ready to get into this. Let's do it. Yes, sir. We got a lot to cover as we are doing NASCAR football talk, baby. Love this one. Speaking of fumes. Right? <laughs> Nauseous fumes. <laughs> and it's not because of our own gas. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Or the dogs. <laughs> then there's that. Or your son. Yeah, my boy can... Uh... Drop some bombs on people every now and then. <laughs> yes, sir. All right, let's go ahead and get to the results of Dega. Are you ready? Let's go. I love the Dega race. It's my second favorite behind Daytona. But here we go. First place is number 23, Toyota Bubba Wallace. And second place in the number two Ford, Brad Keselowski. And third place in the 22 Ford, Joey Logano. And fourth place in the number one Chevy, Kurt Busch. Fifth place, number 20, Toyota, Christopher Bell. Sixth place in the 17 Ford, Chris Boucher. And number seven in the 11 Toyota, Denny Hamlin. Eighth in the number four Ford, Kevin Harvick. Ninth, excuse me, in the 43 Chevy, Eric Jones. And tenth in the 38 Ford, Anthony Alfredo. Even though I realize they have Alredo instead of Alfredo. <laughs> My bad. All right, we're going to move over to the standings after my errors. <laughs> the error of my ways. Let's get it, brother. And first place still in the standings in the number 11 Toyota, Denny Hamlin. Second place still is Kyle Larson in the number 5 Chevy. Third is Joey Logano as he moves up in the 22 Ford. Brad Kozlowski also moves up right behind him in the fourth spot in the number 2 Ford. Dropping down to fifth in the number 19 Toyota, Martin Truex Jr. Dropping down a spot, Ryan Blaney in the 12 Ford at six and seventh is Chase Elliott in the number 9 Chevy. 
Dropping all the way down to 8th is Kyle Busch in the number 18 Toyota. Moving up to 9th is Kevin Harvick in the number 4 Ford. Uh, moving up to 10th is uh, Christopher Bell in the twenty number 20 Toyota. There we go. Almost lost what I was saying there. Uh, dropping down to 11th is uh, William Byron in the number 24 Chevy. And dropping down to 12th is Alex Bowman in the 48 Chevy. Let's move on to the standings of the NFL. Let's do it, brother. I'm so excited. Are you, though? Yes. Are you sure? A little bit, because, you know, we got things we got to talk about. Like, my team sucking. Mm-hmm. And then when you can't think they suck anymore, they do. Anyways. In the AFC East, the Bills lead that division at 3-1 and one with a 751 percentage. And the Dolphins, Patriots, and Jets are tied for second. At one and three. That's right, the Jets finally won. We'll talk about that eventually. They all have a winning percentage of 250. In the AFC North, the Ravens, Browns, and Bengals are all three and one. And the Steelers are in last place at one and three. 751 percentage for the Ravens, Browns, and Bengals, and 250 for the Steelers. AFC, the Titans lead that division at 500 and 2 and 2. The Texans and Colts are both 1 and 3 at 2 and 5. And the Jaguars are 0 and 4. In the AFC West, it is now a big old three way tie for first place as the Raiders, Broncos, and Chargers are all 3 and 1. And bringing up the rear is the Kansas City Chiefs at 2 and 2. And they're 500. And the other three are 750 win percentages. And the NFC East, the Cowboys lead that division, and I have that wrong. They're not actually two and one; they're three and one. My bad. They're seven fifty. Did I just skip their whole, that whole division? I think I did on accident. My bad. Anyways, Washington. Um, that's a loss. Uh, loss and win. Okay. So all the other three are one and three at 250 and Cowboys are 750 that was my bad not paying attention to what I was doing apparently okay and the did I skip the north of the, the what the heck I skipped like two divisions weird my bad <laughs> Packers won and are three and one geez uh, the Bears won or two and two and 500 uh um crap i don't remember the vikings one my bad hang on a second this is just fun fun on a bone now i gotta go find out <laughs> vikings did you win or lose i can't remember and i haven't been paying attention to my fantasy football so i couldn't tell you because i was trying not to pay attention to it mm-hmm. but you know because i sucked this week yeah it was not a good for you, one for you on fantasy football. Not at all. Whoa. It's the only thing I hate about ESPN. You just play ads automatically. Vikings. Lost to the Browns. Okay, so they are 1-3. and three. Wow. <laughs> I'm with it today, apparently. 1-3. and three. Lions own 4. I know they haven't won. Okay, and actually I was wrong. The Washington football team did win, so they're 2 they're two and two and the Giants won didn't they yes they are one and three 
Okay, now I have a room. My bad. Sorry. Okay. In the NFC South Division, the Panthers suffered their first loss of the year, are now 3-1. Buccaneers win a tight one in New England, 3-1. The Saints are 2-2 two two as they lost again. And the Falcons are 1-3 as they lost to the previously winless Giants. Out West in the NFC, the Cardinals beat the Rams and remained undefeated at 4-0. The Rams now dropped to 3-1. The Niners lost to the Seahawks and dropped to 2-2 two two as the Seahawks rose up to 2-2. Two two. Okay, there. Now we're right. Jeez. <laughs> My bad. It's all good, dude. Shit happens. Yes, sir. Sorry about that. Anyways, here we go. So we got some news to talk about. From Dega was home to history on Monday. After the Sunday race had to be postponed due to rain, it set the stage for a historical moment, something that has not been done since 1963. Bubba Wallace won at Talladega, making him the second black driver to win a race at the NASCAR Cup level since 1963 when Wendell Scott won the race that his family only recently received the trophy for. Wallace avoided a huge crash to take the lead at Dega, and then the sky would open up the floodgates and begin again to pour rain all over the track. In the 45-minute delay, NASCAR officially declared the race over and fans cheered as Bubba Wallace would become the official winner of the race. Cooper, your thoughts on our second black driver to win a race on the Cup Series. Isn't that cool, dude? Uh That's freaking awesome. Uh, It just goes to show that, you know, I mean, you can do anything and put your mind to it. It doesn't matter your your color. It doesn't mean anything, dude. I mean, I love this. This is awesome. And go Bubba Wallace. I like it. Yes, sir. And uh, congratulations to Michael Jordan, who is part owner of the Bubba Wallace uh, car, getting his first victory as an owner in NASCAR. There you go. Yeah. So not only that, you got that. So it's a good win all around for the McDonald's 23 um, Toyota. A good one for that um, that whole crew to get that uh, win. I know Wallace has been looking forward to getting that win. I think this was his 143rd start in NASCAR Cup Series. So... Um, good for him to finally get across that finish line, technically, yeah. <laughs> in first place. Um, Well-deserved, and uh, hopefully at least get a few more wins, at least maybe even this year. Definitely, so, definitely. And hopefully more for his career as he moves along in his career. All right, so we're going to move from the racetrack to the gridiron, but first got a little bit of NCAA news to talk about first. Let's get it. The NCAA Division I Council has approved a one-year waiver for college football programs to receive an opportunity to sign up to seven additional players to replace transfer players. This waiver is an exclusive to teams' abilities to sign up to seven transfer players, not high school players, to help replenish their rosters. The high school players can receive one of the 25 available scholarships that the program has available. This gives gives teams the ability to be competitive in the transfer market while not restricting them on the number of incoming freshmen they can sign. Cooper, what are your thoughts on this waiver by the NCAA Division I Council? I mean, this is pretty good, dude. It's cool. I like this. This is this is something, you know, that helps, helps you know, players out. And I mean, hey, if it's helping students out and, and, and making waves in the NCAA, why not? Yes, sir. I think it's going to actually be beneficial for a lot of programs. Um, you know, like we I said. I mean, they had to do something, man. Yeah, because we were losing too many, and then you're having to give away part of your, a portion of your 25 available scholarships that you get to be allowed to give out a year. And instead of getting all 25 incoming freshmen, you're now going, okay, I need to try to get some transfers, and i got to give up scholarships to them, and now I'm reducing what my incoming class is going to look like, and 
Now you can at least now worry about just worry about the freshman in a, in your 25 group because you have now a bonus seven. I mean, you could still use one of your 25 if you decide to go beyond the seven um, a lot extra allotment. You'll have to use one of the 25 scholarships. But at least now with seven, usually you don't hear about that many players leaving a program usually. So it shouldn't be too much of a problem. Um, but now I think that actually we'll look at other – of course, then this could be a can of worms, too, you're looking at. Because now players are going to be like, oh, well, now each program has seven opportunities. I'm going to go try to get one of those. Yeah, <laughs> and you can see that, you can see multiple players trying to leave a program. So we'll see what happens. But at least it's a step in the right direction. Hopefully this waiver ends up being kind of a more of a permanent thing. Maybe kind of designated a an allotment of scholarships for transfer players. And then an allotment for incoming freshmen. That might be a, a step towards that, maybe. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with it, for sure. Definitely will. All right, so now for the ugliness of the <laughs> sport right now. The Pac-12 commissioner, George Klyvakov, has an officiating problem on his hands that will need to be addressed soon. In the Stanford uh, Stanford Cardinal upset of win over the Oregon, uh, number three Ducks, a last-minute drive to try to send the game into overtime featured questionable calls against the Ducks' defense, including a targeting call against Kayvon Thibodeau that will result in him missing the first half of the Ducks' next game against Cal, as well as a defensive pass interference on fourth and goal in the end zone that extended the game and gave Stanford another opportunity to tie the game. Then in overtime, after the Ducks' exhausted defense gave up a touchdown on Stanford's first drive, uh, you uh, first yeah first possession Ducks wide receiver Johnny Johnson the third went over the middle and got rocked with a headshot and the play was called for targeting. After review though the officiating crew determined that it was not targeting though even the commentary crew thought there would be at least a change to a hit of a defenseless re- defenseless player penalty which would have put the Ducks near the ten yard line. Instead Oregon failed to score leaving Palo Alto with their first loss of the season. Now I know people are going to be like big man you're homering here but when your own Pac-12 school rivals one of their news outlets even discuss this as a very bad problem, then it's a problem. It's a problem when uh, when the referees are allowed to take control of the game. And that's that's exactly what happened here. I mean, that, that targeting, targeting call on Thibodeau was not even... It wasn't... There was two people coming in. Mm-hmm. And he was lower than the other guy. Well, no, he was the upper he shot. He was the upper shot? Yeah, he was the upper shot, but it only looked bad because the low shot, he got the quarterback they, got hit simultaneously. Yeah. But bare, he barely had helmet-to-helmet contact. He was he was trying to swipe at the ball at the quarterback's, on the quarterback's throw and ended up grazing him with his own helmet. But that blatant hit on... on the Oregon receiver too was was not even called, and that's that's just is not right, dude. Yeah, you I'm, can't call one way and then not the other. Right, and then the lousy pass interference call after every. Yeah, I don't know how many plays we saw going I down mean, the field. That, that's why at the end of the game the Ducks weren't really playing because they were scared to. Yeah, because you're gonna call you're gonna call something on them if if they play defense like that's what they're supposed to do. Right, and they couldn't do hand fighting or nothing. It seemed like, and I mean, you went from the whole game. You were basically getting away with hitting, not really hit. I'm not meaning hitting each other, but like 
you know, holding a little bit, kind of extra grabbing, jostling for position on a pass, and then all of a sudden you throw that flag when you really shouldn't be throwing that flag anyways because it really wasn't even pass interference to begin with, which was just, it was a bad call, and it, it's a black mark on the on the conference and uh, something that uh, the commissioner is going to definitely have to look into his officiating crews and fi- figure out something because that looked bad. And when you have SE uh, SE Trojans' um, own news outlets trying to say something about it looking bad, that's not good either because usually they'd be okay with us taking a loss. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. All right. So the Ducks' loss was not the only upset last weekend, as number twenty UCLA lost at home to Arizona State. Number eighteen Fresno State lost at Hawaii. Number fifteen Texas A&M lost for the second straight week, this time to Mississippi State at home. Number ten Florida lost at Kentucky. The Gators did not look like the team that nearly pulled off the upset against Alabama. The Aggies of A&M haven't looked good for two weeks, and UCLA just seems like they cannot get out of their own way as they try to take over the Pac-12 South Division. But Cooper, which upset loss surprised you the most? I'd have to say the Gators in Kentucky, dude. I mean, I know Kentucky plays well every year against the Gators. Mm -hmm. But when you went from... Almost beating Alabama to this two weeks later? Mm-hmm. What's wrong? That's a good question. Because it's not like you had a letdown from the loss of Alabama because you played well enough, won the next week, and then now this to have this kind of a turnout. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they just weren't ready for the travel to Kentucky. I don't know. It just seems really odd. Um, but I think you're right. I think that was probably the most surprising. Um, a close second to me would actually be Fresno State's loss to Hawaii. Uh, Fresno State um, has looked real good. They upset UCLA. Um, they even almost beat us at, in Oregon um, at Eugene at Alton Stadium. And then to go to Hawaii and kind of not look great, it's kind of surprising. And then probably another surprise is Al, all of a sudden the – Texas A&M Aggies kind of in their free fall that they're in all of a sudden. Yeah, man. It's it's crazy what's going on in, in the, uh, the NCAA world right now. Yes, sir. All right, next up. Alabama is still number one in the polls, especially after drubbing former assistant Lane Kiffin and the number 12 Old Miss Rebels. Georgia sits right behind them at number two and put a licking on the number eight Arkansas Razorbacks at home. The Bulldogs would shut out the Razorbacks 37 nothing, while the Tide rolled 42-21 uh, over Ole Miss. The question, though, is who looked more impressive and who should be number one at this point? Cooper, your thoughts. I think Alabama is still number one, dude. It is what it is, but I still think they're number one. So despite how much you've been praising the Hogs lately and, and their run to get up to number eight in, in the nation... And then going to Athens and getting shellac 37 nothing, you still think the Tide are number one in the nation? Yeah. Okay. I can, I can agree with that, but I don't think it's as wide as gap as some people believe it is. I think the Bulldogs are closing in on Alabama. Oh, definitely. Yeah, they are. I mean, I'm, it, it's cool to see, you know, to see Arkansas doing something. Mm-hmm. But, uh, the, to lose like that was like, woof. Yeah, uh, and now after what we just witnessed with uh, Kentucky, it has me worried against the Georgia Bulldogs how Florida's going to show up yeah. for that game. Yeah, Because you do that against Kentucky and Lexington, and what we just saw the Bulldogs do to the Razorbacks, 
I'm a little worried about that world's largest outdoor cocktail party in Jacksonville. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. It's going to be interesting, to say the least. Um, but, uh, yeah, at this point, I would say you're right. Number one, still probably the Tide. Uh, their defense has been kind of not as great as, they're norm- as they normally are, but their offense sure doesn't look like they're missing a beat. So I almost expect probably when we get to uh, the SEC championship game, if both teams are undefeated and getting ready to face each other um, at the SEC title game, if, you know, granted that the um, Gators somehow pull that off, I don't see them unfortunately doing that because not only would they need to beat the Bulldogs, they need the Bulldogs to lose again. Yeah. Um, because you know, as we all know, the Gators already have two losses, so they would need the Bulldogs to lose to them and then lose again, so that way they had the head-to-head tiebreaker. Um, but so right now, as it looks, it's the Bulldogs and uh, Bama, which will make a great SEC title game. It'll be interesting to see if the Dogs' defense can slow down Alabama's offense and uh, make it a good game. Dead one, man, dead one. All right, next up, we're gonna switch gears and talk about some NFL. So the story in Jacksonville this week should be how the team went to Cincinnati on a short week, led at half, and almost came away with a victory, their first victory of the season. The team finally seems to be getting close, closer to being competent. That was until a video surfaced of head coach Urban Meyer at a bar with a woman identified not as his wife dancing in his lap. So now the organization has this distraction looming over them rather than just focusing on game preparation this week. Cooper, we kind of talked about this before we got on air. We're not really... Um, against letting off steam and doing all of that, but then it's just the fact that now it's got to be a distraction just makes things difficult for a team. And it makes things difficult for him. He's, he's a new head coach in the NFL and uh, doesn't look good on his part, man. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you're trying to tell these players, hey, you can't be doing this, that, or the other, but then you're out doing that. Um but at the same time, I understand blowing off some steam, but the fact of the matter is the man's a married man, and uh, that's a big no-no. So, uh, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. you got caught. I do think that people need to chill out. Like, people need to stop videotaping. When you see somebody that's famous or of, you know, some higher stature taking videos of them, while they're out, just to, just to, I don't know, look cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- this could ruin the man's reputation. Yeah, I really think it's a. It needs to be the only way you should ever be allowed to re- photograph or record anybody, is with their permission. Yeah. Like, hey man, can you do a quick video with me, doing shout outs to like my friends and stuff, or, hey coach, can I get a picture with you because you're one of my favorite coaches of all time. And yeah, but, then it's at her discretion. But doing it like that, that's just shady and... Mm, and disgusting. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, it's unfortunate for the Jaguars, like I said, they should be focusing on game preparation, but now they're... But I don't think that this hmm. is really going to put a damper on them. I think it's just a blip. Uh, Urban's already seen he wants to move on, and... He's been, since then, he's been home with his family and just, you know, but 
a lot of people are saying too, like what what's the morale gonna be like in the locker room after it comes back? So And it hasn't looked good so far. Yeah. Um uh, so reports. we'll see what happens. Yeah, so uh you almost might want to just go ahead and chalk up another loss for the Jaguars at this point because it's not looking good. Yeah. All right. Um, I meant to say that three winless teams got their first victories of the season because I forgot about the Colts um, winning this weekend. But uh, we talked mostly about the Jets and the Titans. Or tit- Jets beating the Titans at home 27-24. The Titans were without their two top receiving threats, A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, but Zach Wilson tore up the Titans secondary. That has been their weak point this season. While the Giants went down to New Orleans and and and, and up ended um, the inconsistent yeah that's what I meant uh, inconsistent Saints who look like world beaters one week and then like the team shouldn't have a win won a game all year the next so Cooper your thoughts on the Giants and Jets getting off the snide I mean the Jets that this is good for them dude because we all know the Jets man. <laughs> They don't win very much. So when they get a win, let's let's love on them, dude. They need that. You need that morale boost, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, it don't matter that, that the Titans' two head wide receivers weren't there. It don't matter, man. You got the win. Good for you. Okay. What about the Giants? Same way with the Giants, man. The Giants have been having it rough lately, and... Uh, you know, it's it's good to see these young quarterbacks getting some wins, man. It is. It's, it's nice to see. Um, I, yeah, and I'm sorry about that. Colts fans forgot to put your team in there to talk about yeah. it. But, uh, yeah, it, it helps now. Zach Wilson, who's obviously a rookie, getting his first win, kind of get that relief of, okay, I can do this now. Now it feels like, okay, I'm ready to go. Yeah. I can win in this league. Starting out 0-3, you're kind of just like, oh, my God, can I actually do this? But now I'm getting a win. You're like, okay, breathe. I can do this. Now let's settle in, get get on get on a part of the course with my team, and let's go start trying to be competitive, which now the Jets, I don't know if Jets could probably pull off a couple more wins this year, but uh, I think we'll now we'll start seeing them be at least in their games, competitive. It's not going to look like a blowout every week. Yeah. It's not going to make – um, Zach Wilson, of course, will still probably make rookie mistakes. And, you know, if you take away, like, you might see a game where you're like, oh, whoa, that was kind of a blowout. But then if you look away, well, if he didn't make this rookie mistake, the score's a lot closer because maybe he threw a pick six on accident because he made the wrong read on his receiver or something. Yeah. Or he, stole, or he uh, stared down his receiver. It, it's kind of like what's going on with Trevor Lawrence. Trevor mm-hmm. Lawrence is doing, he's doing pretty well as far as being a rookie quarterback. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not his fault completely. So, I mean, he's trying to do his part, but at the same time, the turnovers, you're right, That's that's that'll kill you every time. Yes, so. sir. All right, so after a terrible opening game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Buffalo Bills have been the most dominant team in the league. They shut out the Dolphins 35-0 in Week 2, then annihilated Washington 43-21 in Week 3, and finally destroying the Houston Texans 40-0. The Bills to be, appear to be the top team in the league despite that Week 1 loss, and get a chance to prove it this week on Sunday Night Football against the Kansas City Chiefs. This is going to be a good game because either the either they blow them out or Patrick Mahomes comes out and says, you know what, I'm done losing. Yeah. It is time to, to, to get my team back into playoff contention. So mm-hmm. 
We'll definitely see. It's going to be a good game, though. I can't wait for this one, man. Yeah, this is one of the few times I'm actually excited for a Sunday night game that doesn't involve one of our teams. Yeah. <laughs> because it's like you're seeing the Bills just the way they've been rolling of late, and you're just like, ooh. And then you're like, but then it's Kansas City, and it's Patrick Mahomes, and you're just like, ooh. And you're like, <laughs> you're like, come on, let's see yeah. what's going to happen here. I can't wait. Yeah, good quarterback war going on there. Yeah. Um, obviously, you're not going to have – a pathetic offense like you, you you've been seeing with uh, Houston and Miami, uh, so you definitely won't see a shutout. Um, but I also think you definitely will get more competitive game than you got with Washington because obviously Washington's with it been without um, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and uh, that's a lot. That was a lot for um, Tyler Henneke Taylor Henneke to go up against. Um, with the with the bill, so this is going to be a great game, and I'm looking forward to it for sure. Definitely, brother, definitely. All right, and we're going to end this on actually some Tom Brady talk. Ooh. Weirdly, I know, right? So Tom Brady made his return to New England to face his old team, the Patriots. Brady would pass Drew Brees for the all-time yards passing leader in NFL history, and the Patriots put up an image on the big screen to commemorate the moment. But it would be Mac Jones who looked better of the two quarterbacks. As Jones led a near-go-ahead drive with that would have left Tom Brady 55 seconds and two timeouts to put together a game-winning drive himself. However, kicker Nick Folk with a bad plant leg would drill the left upright of the goalpost in the Buccaneers and Brady would leave New England victorious and gave Brady a victory over all 32 NFL teams, including his former head coach, Bill Belichick. Wow. Cooper, your thoughts on the 1917 victory. Um, that and that was, was the score, not a year. That was, yeah, <laughs> that was pure luck. Um, you got by with the skin of your teeth, mm-hmm. type thing, and uh, you know when you can go into the Patriots and you can you can dominate. That's that's one thing. But I still say you and I both know that Tom Brady is on the back half of his career, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you and I both think that he's gonna play till he's till he's, you know, they're injured gonna, or dead. Yeah, they're but, gonna have to carry his dead body off the field. Like you <laughs> just see it now. <laughs> but drops back. Tom Brady drops back to pass, and he starts clutching his chest as he fumbles. <laughs> yeah, because he has a heart attack and dies <laughs> at the age of fifty-one. <laughs> Too much avocado ice cream, Tommy boy. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, I. I was actually surprised Brady didn't actually play that well of a game because obviously he has the better receivers, the better team. Uh, but, hey, man, I give credit to the rookie Matt Jones, man. He's actually looked like the best rookie out of the bunch so far. Of course, he did go to New England, yeah, which is tightly ran a tightly ran ship and just needs you to not turn the ball over. Basically, just yeah. don't be a rookie. Does it kind of seem like odd that, you know, Nick Saban, Bill Belichick... Mac Jones, come on now. It's a little weird, but yeah, to say the least. Uh, I thought it was a good moment for Mac Jones to get him to show off pretty well um, against Tom Brady. Uh, I'm sure he would have liked to have the victory. They could have had the victory, unfortunately, like folk with the bad plant leg. Yeah, uh, I think that's what I think that's what part because it was 55 yards, so. You pro- he was probably trying to compensate for the fact that he knew he has a hurt leg, and he, so he's trying to over. He probably trying to compensate and probably just ended up pulling the ball more than he would have 
if he didn't have to compensate for his bad uh, bad leg. Yeah. Uh, and then still good, probably good showing though. Good showing for the rook. And, yeah. And uh, you know you almost beat Tom Brady on your first try, brother. Mm-hmm. So uh, blame that kicker. That, that's all I can tell you. Like I was trying to say, the kicker's got a bad leg, oh, and you send him out there for a fifty-five. Oh crap! Why, why not? Why not on fourth and three though? Why don't you go for it, try to milk the clock more, and get your kicker a closer kick? Then there's that too. Like Bill Belichick usually does when he faces a, a quality quarterback. Yeah. Maybe I think he did that because he wanted Tom Brady to win. How about that? Ooh. Sabotaged yeah. himself for you think Brady. So for Brady. Yeah. Took one for his old teammate. No, for his old quarterback. His old quarterback. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> I mean, he would have done it to Peyton Manning. Would have done it to Drew Brees. True. Probably would have done it to Patrick Mahomes. But but wouldn't do it to Tom. Seemed a little sketchy to me. Just saying. Uh-huh. Controversy, maybe, but we like controversy, so that's how we roll. Yep. All right, man, that was a good episode today. It definitely was. We'll be back, of course, later this week when we do some AEW talk, and I'm saying later this week because it'll either be Thursday or Friday because we never know anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then hopefully Saturday we'll be back with WWE talk when we recap Raw and SmackDown and, of course, the WWE draft. And then uh, we'll be back um, Sunday with more baseball basketball talk as we get closer to the NBA tip-off of the season. We discuss who we think is going to win each division, the conference finals, and then the finals. And then, of course, uh, baseball will be in the thick of the postseason. We did, I just did see, though, that the Dodgers will be without Kershaw. So Yeah, that's going to be tough, man. Yeah. It sucks. Poor Kersh. But... That's just the way it goes sometimes, unfortunately. Yes, sir. But that will do it for us here at Sports Talk. And as always, keep Keep on talking talking sports. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, everyone. This is Big Man. This is Cooper. We hope you enjoyed our latest episode, but be sure to check us out on our social medias. On Facebook at Cooper Big Man. Our Facebook page, Sports Talk with Cooper and Big Man. On Twitter at Cooper underscore Big Man ST. On Instagram, also at Cooper Big underscore Big Man ST. At TikTok at sportstalk.cooper.bigman. Or you can email us at sportstalk with Cooper in Big Man. That's sportstalk, W I T, Cooper, the letter N, Big Man, and that's at gmail.com. Thank you for tuning in, and we love you guys for checking us out. Be sure to catch us on our next episode.